welcome, and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M.H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. Today I'm going to deal with the subject of authority, which I consider one of the greatest problems in society, in the church, in the home, you know, the old question, who's in charge and, and so forth, and too much uh, in this Laodicean time, I think we are like uh, Israel under the time of the judges. Two times in the book of Judges, we're told that uh, every man did that which was right in his own eyes because there was no king, there was no authority in Israel in those days. So everybody just did whatever felt good to them. And so uh, rebellion to authority is a very pressing problem in the home, in the church, in the nation, in society, in the world, whatever. In Exodus 3, God made the statement, he said, I am. What is he saying there? He's absolute authority. His word is final in, in uh, every situation. All authority on earth was instituted by God himself. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And of course, that uh, rebellion in King Saul's case cost him his kingdom, and God turned it over to a man after God's own heart, uh, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I realize that um, Romans chapter 13 says all authority comes from God. You know, it's, it's all from him, and that's the truth. But he is the ultimate authority in our lives and must have the final say in everything. Uh, rebellion against uh, any uh, God-ordained authority is an attack on God himself who place that authority over us. And if we want to serve the Lord acceptably, we must understand the authority of God. In Amos chapter 5, verse 10, you'll read that God judged those who rejected civil authority as well as those who rejected spiritual authority. Let me say and not take the time to read the verses. You can look them up uh, in your own time. But rebellion started with Satan. Uh, you'll read that in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, and Ezekiel 28, verses 14 through 18. Satan trespassed God's holiness. Uh, his act of sin, of sin against God's holiness was a product of his rebellion against authority. And it was that rebellion that God condemned in Lucifer. Uh, Satan not only attacked God's position and God's power, but he attacked God's person as well. To overthrow God's authority is to overthrow God himself, or at least make an attempt to do so. Now, let's uh, briefly look at some examples of God's authority. In Exodus chapter 3, we have uh, Moses at the burning bush, 
And the verse says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Well, that's similar to what uh, Jesus was asked in Matthew 21, verse 23, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? May I say any authority below God himself is delegated authority, delegated from God, and he tells us it's for our own good. So Moses says, uh, Who am I going to say gave me this authority? In Exodus uh, 4, verse 1, Moses answered and said, but, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. Uh, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Well, to demonstrate that God had appeared to him, God gave Moses three signs of authority. He told him to take the rod in his hand, cast it on the ground. Yeah, I'm sure you know the story. It became a serpent. And God said, Put forth your hands and, and take it back up. He picked it up and it became a stick again. And then God said, put your hand in your bosom and draw it out. When he drew it out, it was leprous. Put it back in there and drew it out again. The leprosy was gone. And then the third sign was God uh, allowed him to turn water to blood. Now, Moses has been commissioned by God himself to go and get his people from Pharaoh. And he has authority from God with three miraculous signs to prove that authority. You'd think that Moses would have went right home and packed his overnight bag and headed out for Egypt, but he did not. In Exodus 4, verse 18, and Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, as who he worked for, he was keeping his father-in-law's sheep, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren, which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. He went and asked permission, Let me go, I pray thee, and return to Egypt. Now that's kind of strange on the part of Moses. We're talking about a man that's 80 years old, he has a commission from God, and he's asking his father-in-law's permission to carry out God's commission to him. Uh, why would he do that after God himself had commissioned him? Why did he ask his father-in-law's permission to do what God said? Well, several reasons. Jethro was the head of the clan. Uh, as very clannish society back in those days, Grandpa had the final say. Uh, not only that, he was Moses' boss, so Moses was subservient to him in that sense, and he was the local priest, the spiritual authority in the area. Uh, so he was the authority, not Moses. Um, uh, you know, the Bible teaches there should be no marriage without parents' permission. That's why I, as a pastor, never married anybody unless both sets of parents were in, a, in agreement with it. Um, uh, authority is what we're talking about here. I had a man in my church. He decided he was going to go start a church in South Florida. He didn't talk to me about that. He didn't ask my, what I thought. He didn't seek any counsel or permission from that, just went off and started it. And it lasted about six weeks, and he realized God was nowhere to be found. Had another preacher in my church. He thought God wanted him to go to Montana and, and start a church, and I told him he wasn't ready for that. And sure enough, he laid it aside and sat uh, under the authority of the pastor for five more years, and then God led him to uh, a church in Tallahassee, Florida. It worked out uh, fine by him yielding to the authority God had placed in his 
uh, uh, life. Uh, I think the controversy of the universe, like I said, is who's in charge, who is the authority. And by the way, the subject of the Bible is not your salvation or mine. It's a king and his kingdom. And thank God he lets us get in on that kingdom by accepting that king as our uh, our savior. Uh, you have a, a, a big uh, example of authority in Numbers chapter 30. Uh, we know the Bible teaches a wife is to be in submission to her husband. In Numbers 30, we're told that she can make a vow to God, but her husband has the, uh, could I say, authority to to disannul her vow that she makes to God. And God will accept his disannulment thereof and put no uh, sin to her account for not keeping her vow to God. However, keep in mind, he says that her iniquity for that will fall on her husband for not allowing it. But my point is, the husband is the final authority in the home. He can disallow whatever the wife is wanting to do for uh, the Lord. And so still the question is, who's in charge? We enter into conflict either with Satan when we submit to God's authority or to God when we enter into Satan's authority. Uh, it's possible to stand with God in precept and with Satan in principle at the same time. For example, we have a precept from God, we're to win souls. But the principle is don't violate separation to do that. And yet a lot of Christians do. They get involved with the world in order to try to win somebody to the Lord. Now you realize Satan is less concerned about us preaching the Word of God than he is uh, of us being subject to God's authority in our own lives. Another example besides Moses is Saul of Tarsus. <clears throat> he was a man of great education. He was a man of great authority, uh, probably a very vicious man, very arrogant. Uh, but when he came to the authority of God, he said in Acts 9, verse 6, Lord, what will that have me to do? Lord, you're now in charge of my life. What, what do you want me to do? At that point, he could submit to the authority of a little unknown man named uh, Ananias, uh, a man who before Paul would have had him put in prison or killed. In other words, he now recognized the authority of God. You see, we don't really obey man. We obey the authority of God in uh, the man, just like wives obeying their husbands, they're obeying God's authority in their husband. When you recognize God's authority, you can even listen to a preacher that, that you don't like. Uh, so it doesn't matter who the man is that God is using as an authority in your life. Acts 5.29 says Peter and, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Uh, yes, we should obey the ordinances of God, but when they come in I mean, ordinances of man, but when they come in conflict with direct uh, ordinances of God, we should obey God and not man. Another example in the Bible is 40-year-old Isaac. He submitted to his father Abraham in, in seeking a wife. In Genesis 24, he let Abraham, this guy's 40 years old, let his daddy decide who he should uh, marry. Jacob, by contrast, was just the opposite. He left home, decided who he was going to marry, and made a mess of some things uh, in his life. Um, if I, as a preacher, and I've been preaching for over 50 years, uh, if I preach for a young pastor, which is what I often do these days when I preach in meetings and camp meetings and revivals and so forth, but when I'm there, that young preacher is the authority over me. 
I'll do whatever he tells me to do. A lot of preachers, they'll give, be given a lot of time, uh, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, to preach their message. And some of them just think they're the world's, or rather God's gift to Christianity. And they'll run their mouth an hour and a half. They've sinned against God and they, against the authority that's over them when they do things like that. I remember I had an evangelist one time. His wife was a good singer. He came to start a meeting on Monday, and I said, where's your, where's your wife and your kids? And he said he dropped them off to visit, spend the week with their mother as he was passing through where she lived in, uh, in Georgia. And I said, do you believe in pastoral authority? He said, yes, I do. I said, okay, in the morning, I want you to take my car and go get your, go get your wife and kids and be back here tomorrow night for the church. Four-hour trip one way. His immediate response was, yes, sir, I'll do that. He did. We had a great meeting all week. Say, what is that? That's somebody submitting to the authority that is over them. If a, if a son is a pastor and his father is a member of his church, that father, when he steps in that church, he comes under the authority of his own son. I know a couple of pastors where that's the situation, and their their sons uh, yield to the authority of the, of the pastor, even though he's their son. All authority comes from God. You remember when the people wanted a king and they told Samuel that and Samuel was very upset, but God said, hey, Samuel, they have rejected you. They have rejected me. And Moses several times told the people when they were rebelling against God and murmuring and complaining, he said, it's not, it's not me and my brother Aaron you're rejecting. It's God himself. All authorities have said, comes from God. And so the only way somebody can be in authority is to be under authority. God has delegated authority to the one who is in authority. Delegated. Uh, I mentioned Romans a while ago. Chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. We follow Paul as he follows Christ. If he's not following Christ, we're not going to follow him. Uh, husband has a final authority in the home. Wives obey your uh, husbands. Children obey your parents. Uh, and let me say this, anywhere, home, society, church, delayed obedience is a direct challenge to authority. You tell your son to take out the garbage, he says, I will in a few minutes. That's a direct challenge to authority. So the husband is the authority in the home, the pastor is the authority in the church. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17, talking about pastors, says, obey them that have the rule over you. The policeman is the authority on the street, the judge is the authority in the courtroom, and so forth. Uh, wrong authority or mutual authority, as they say, two heads make a monster, uh, whether it's in the church, in the home, or a community, always leads to anarchy. Again, Judges 17, uh, verse 6, he says, no king. So every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And the last verse in Judges uh, repeats that uh, problem. So society, home, church, they're all broken down these days because authority is broken down. Remember, Laodicea means the rights of uh, the people. I think it was Lee Robertson said, um, everything rises and fall or falls on leadership. Well, let me give you a couple of examples outside of scriptural examples. There was a good Christian girl. She wanted to serve God. She was in the 11th grade. She had scholarship offers, very brilliant young lady. She wanted to get a job to help pay for her college during her summer a vacation after the 11th grade. Her parents 
they reluctantly agreed to that, but they made rules for her to go by. But in spite of that, she met a lost boy on the job. She got involved with him. Her parents found out what was going on, cut off the relationship and the job, but she continued to sneak around and meet with the boy, con you know, rejecting her parents' authority in her life. Beginning her senior year, she became very sick. She was diagnosed with AIDS, and she died by the end of that semester. And so one more time, the devil killed another child of God who had great potential for the Lord because of that person's rejection of authority. I had a pastor friend tell me of a girl who, young lady, married, had some kids, stood up and gave a testimony in his church one night, said her dad, she was involved with a boy as a teenager. Her dad broke her up with the boy. She was very sad about that, didn't understand all that, but she yielded completely to her father's authority in her life, and she's so glad now that uh, the, God sent the right man along. She's married, happy, and has children, as I said, because she yielded to that authority in her life at that point in time. Read about a girl who was saved, Christian girl. She got talked into going joyriding with some teenagers. They got going down the road, and the boy in the passenger seat, she and another girl in the back seat, the boy in the passenger seat reached under his seat and took a bottle of liquor out and began passing around to himself. The driver put it in the back seat. The other girl took some of it and offered it to this Christian girl. She, re she rejected that because she didn't drink and so forth. She was a Christian, but she was in a bad company. What happened that night, those uh, drinking kids had a wreck, had an accident, and the only one killed was that Christian girl. Why? She had gone against her father's uh, advice and rulings in her life not to go off with lost kids and things of that nature. Could I say that every tragedy and trouble is because of some degree of rejection of authority? We cause most of our problems, you know, it's because we're not doing what God wanted us to do and so forth. God wants us to base our choices in life not on what's good for us, not on what seems reasonable, but on obedience to God. Uh, circumstances don't have anything to do with the will of God. Money has nothing to do with the will of God. Uh, whatever we are confronted with, we need to base our choices on what the Lord wants. We shouldn't do something simply because God said, don't do it. I mean, the fact that it might kill you is beside the point. Don't smoke because it causes cancer. Don't get into immorality because of the fear of disease, so on and so forth. No, you don't do those things because God doesn't want you to do them. When we learn to obey God, we learn to obey God's authority in man, just like I talked about Saul of Tarsus earlier. Uh, and that's why it's so important, a parent, to teach your children instant obedience so they learn to obey God when he speaks to them later in life. Let me just say in closing here, when delegated authority conflicts with direct authority, delegated authority man, direct authority God, we should be submissive, not be belligerent or anything like that, but not be obedient. We ought to obey God rather than man. And the Bible has several examples of that. The midwives in Exodus 1, the three Hebrews in Daniel 3, Daniel in 7, Daniel 6, Peter and John in Acts 4, verse 19, and so forth. All these folks disobeyed delegated authority in order to obey direct authority, God himself, and God blessed them in all those situations. By the way, you can be obedient outward and not be submissive inward. Have, to have a bad attitude inward about it. So um, uh, a person can be submissive, want to do right, and not be obedient because it goes against what God has to say.
Uh, let me close with this. Uh, the number one problem at home, church, nation. It's in recognizing the authority of God. And when we recognize it, we should immediately, we should uh, submissively, willingly, joyfully place ourselves under any person that God places in authority over us. When Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 6, he said, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. May I say the mighty hand of God, think of it as an umbrella, the authority, whatever human authority God has placed over you in your life, that's the mighty hand of God for you. Now think about the authorities in your life. Might be a parent, might be a teacher, might be a husband, might be a pastor, might be a boss on the job, might be the mayor in the community, whatever, whoever it is. Am I submissive and obedient to each one of the authorities that God has placed over me? And if I'm not, then I'm in a state of rebellion against God himself. Authority is ultra serious in the life of child of God.